0: Welcome to Women Winning at Work podcast. My name is Barka Herman. I interview women with successful careers in tech. Please like and share this episode and podcast and do reach out to me if you or someone you know would like to be featured on my podcast. The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Barka Herman. And now without delay, please enjoy this episode. Um, welcome back! And today on my podcast, I have a very special guest. Her name is Kimaya Komet.
1: Hello.
0: And uh, she's a fellow uh, Microsoft person. And so, Kimaya, I'm going to um, invite you to introduce yourself. Thanks uh, you. so yeah.
1: uh, So, good afternoon for all of you. Uh, I'm on the East Coast. I live in New Jersey. Uh, My name is Kimaya, and I'm currently working as a senior software engineer in Microsoft. I will complete my one-year anniversary with Microsoft next month, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, uh, Joining in COVID definitely was a big challenge, and I'm glad I got to experience that. I never thought that I would. Um, And I live in New Jersey. Right now it's summer, uh, like spring-ish. Summerish, sorry, it's still spring. Um, so I am also very passionate about gardening. That's I think my first love before uh, what I do at, at Microsoft. Uh, so really excited to be here. Uh, that's about it, uh, and we'll like talk more as we go on, folks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let me start. So a, a wonderful point that you made, Kimaya, is that you you're just about to complete your first year with Microsoft, and you started during COVID, so tell me what that experience was like. How did you onboard? Did you have face-to-face interviews? Like, how did you work? Are you working remotely all this time? So tell me all about it.
1: Yes, uh, right. So my application, obviously, the only normal process about it was that the application was submitted online like we usually do. Um, And from the time it took Microsoft to actually get back and schedule interviews, Uh, I think all like COVID had taken over. Flights were canceled. So uh, it was a given that I would not be flying to Washington for my interview. So then we had to arrange um, a virtual interview. So I had five interviews. So Mm -hmm. I had an initial tech screen, which is obviously virtual also in like the normal world. Uh, But then my five tech uh my five big interviews, like an hour long. So I spent a whole day interviewing and that was virtual. And that was a challenge because to sit in front of your computer with like your video on and also like, you know, answer questions uh, is a bit intimidating when you don't have that person along with you because an interview process that I've had so far is basically like a teammate, right? When you are interviewing, you're basically trying to see if this person can be a potential teammate. And so far, we were only used to having teammates like right there in front of us to discuss our problems and to brainstorm. And that wasn't available. And this was uh, 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 like, uh, that was challenging. But after that, the virtual onboarding that we did That was handled so flawlessly. It was as if Microsoft has been doing the same virtual onboarding for years. Uh, So everything was set up, our virtual environment. Since I am in the um, Azure organization, I had to undergo a boot camp. That was also handled well. We had, like, groups in teams where we could get up and, like, chat with our uh, teammates or people who joined with us. So we had teams that – we had different teams so my most my favorite team was um uh, people who joined in july so like new onboarding you know wh- whoever were onboarded that week was a different team and so you could ask your questions see where people were coming from see like people were asking hey how's the rentals you know going in seattle like i want to move to seattle are any flights going and uh, all that chaos it was very chaotic but it was also good to like meet people like that i have never met people like that
0: That's wonderful. So so it sounds like the interview was challenging, but the onboarding was 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 flawless. So let me let me go take a step back and talk to you about the interview process. So um, were you able to connect with the team during the interview at all? So I know that it was challenging and it was unusual. But, you know, I, I know that it's unusual for everyone last year, but were you able to actually get um get a comfort level. And then the second question I have is what made you choose Microsoft? Were you, you know, had you made up your mind before or was it during the interview? Did you have any sort of questions during the interview? Should I do this? You know, so t- talk me through that.
1: Yeah, uh, this is going to be a long answer, so I apologize. Sure, yeah,
0: <laughs> so for the
1: first part, um, I did not meet my entire team during the interview because that was practically impossible. Uh, it. Was huge. So I met right from my skip level manager onwards um, three people and then two of them from my direct working team. Right. And so then I got to know the flavor of the senior management a lot more than the people that I would usually work with. So like the decisions that would be taken or what, would draw those decisions or how would the senior, how does the senior management actually talk to us? And right. because sometimes uh, when uh, you're not, like you're pushing this hierarchy in between, uh, like you have three managers up top, you kind of feel that you are very isolated down and you cannot talk to them or they are not approachable. So when I interviewed after, after I was onboarded, I could actually like ping them or send them emails, um, to my senior level managers. And that was a good thing that they interviewed me because that I kind of established a rapport during the interview process. I did not have to do it at a later stage and we all about it. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. And then what about your decision to come to
1: Microsoft? What was that like? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, and to be very honest, uh, I – was working in a a financial services uh, industry in New York. And I believe we were assessing Microsoft uh, for one of our cloud requirements. And at that time we got invited to um, the Microsoft office in New York at Port Authority. Mm -hmm. And things that I saw there blew my mind. And one thing in particular was how much Microsoft keeps in mind accessibility. Like how many devices were made just so that people who were hard of hearing or people that were, uh, you know, deficient in their vision could also use the same thing that I was also using without being those things. And that blew my mind. And I was like, this would be wonderful to work for this company. Yeah. And that, and that was, I think, where I was more inclined towards, okay, let me look at roles at Microsoft. Let me look at if there's something I can do to be a part of this organization. And I think the second impact came when the former company that I was working for, um, hired someone from, hired someone from Microsoft at a very senior level position. And from that day onwards, the decisions that were made, were like it was a breakthrough it was a breakthrough in the financial services industry for a technology person and i could see where those decisions were coming from and i said hey like if this is the culture and these are the decisions being driven then it would be great to actually work in that company and that drove me Yeah. yeah
0: so you you touch on a very important aspect of a job you know i always say that we work We spend 40 hours a week or more with our coworkers and waking hours, right? And then less than that with our family, even though our family is more important, like we're we're more connected to our family. So culture matters to me, right? Oh, definitely. So my my question to you is how much does culture matter to you as far as work, as a woman working in technology field, uh, what does that have an impact on you? And then, you know, also, I'd love to hear like some good and bad stories of culture, you know, how it impacts a woman in technology.
1: Yeah. And this is not necessarily about Microsoft uh, because it's right, a year right. and my year has been very virtual and remote.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But uh, I always like I before starting a job. And oh, my God, this OK, this is 10 years ago. So before starting a job, before I could get into the <laughs> corporate world, uh, I always thought that culture was, you know, kind of a flu flaw that is being thrown around. And it's not very important. And like what is culture It's the way a company works. It's the way a team works. But as you grow in that team, you realize that, like you said, the people that you work with influence your own decisions. They influence your own life. And uh, it influences your personal life more than you want it to, more than you can ever realize. It's it's like the school friends thing, right? Like parents cannot influence you as much as the group that you hang out with in school. And it's exactly that phenomena again. Um, Nothing changes. And so therefore, like uh, for a woman in tech, and I I was very, uh, what do you say, blessed to have good managers, good supervisors who stood uh, you know, behind me and to give you like an example, uh, as a woman developer and when you're starting in your career, it's it's impossible to know everything. It's right. impossible to know the ins and outs of a system that you're working on or the history of the company or why that system is built. And the first thing that you want is a manager to encourage questions. The second thing that you want is a manager to not, uh, you know, throw you out because of your mistakes. Because that is how you will learn, and that's the only way to do that. that, There is no other way. As far as, like, I was concerned, I made a lot of mistakes and learned. So you want a culture to encourage questions, not, like, you know, bash you on mistakes, but also, if there is a mistake, I know that my manager would take responsibility. But if I did something right, I would get kudos for that. And why that was important is when I had um, subordinates, I did the same for them. I realized Fine. and it keeps transcending down it keeps cascading down and that is how you build like a good organization so.
0: right right and and you know I think that in some ways uh, you and I are fortunate that you know the culture at Microsoft is very uh, inclusive and tolerant and at least they they work at it I'm not saying they have zero issues but oh, yeah. they work at it uh, constantly um so I want to understand your origin story so you um not born and raised in America. No. You are a transplant. So tell me, tell me about, you know, where do you come from? How did you end up here? And how did you choose tech?
1: Yeah. Um, so I am born and raised in Mumbai, India, one of the best cities in the world, by the way. I still stand by that. Um, and that is how like New York feels natural because of all this, it's busiest, uh, vibe going on. So, uh, and I, so I got into technology in my bachelor's, like once engineering started. Uh, before that, I believe what I was interested was more of physics. Uh, okay. Right. Uh, and the time that I got into technology, uh, I think I was more interested in engineering, like civil. For me, that was engineering. I could see it happen. I could see it being built. Uh, my uncle is a civil engineer and that is why. Yeah. Um, and again, like, you know, the whole thing goes saying, oh, my God, civil is not a good place for women to be. Uh, yeah. And, and when you listen to your uh, adults talking about it, when you listen to your peers talking about it, uh, you kind of want to believe that you, it becomes the truth. Uh, and when you see it like a, you you don't see a lot of civil women engineers. Uh, and that is how I went into the next best thing that was software and at that point, it was booming, um, except that I just did not know what software is. Like, I knew Amazon was a company. Uh, I just did not know what entails for Amazon to be a company, what software is, what Facebook does, nothing. Um, and so I think my journey started from there at like level minus one, where uh, I just did not know what I was getting into. Yeah. And, and it's like time's progress. And this is interesting because I was doing my spring cleaning. So I found some of my mark sheets of engineering and <laughs> I, yeah. And, and, and so the way you're taught engineering back home is like you, they start from, you already know why you're here. And my problem was I just did not know what is coding or what is programming. I just don't know right. what a code is. When you say write in Java, I don't know what that means. Um, so. I think my start was a little rough. I think it was a lot rough, actually. (laughs) I failed in C programming, and I could not believe that. My my engineering teachers could not believe that I actually am a programmer right now. Uh, Yeah, that's that's funny. funny. (laughs) So I actually failed in C programming because I did not understand what it did. And because I had to retake the exam, I retook it. But then what happened, and that changed my life, is I really studied. I understood what happens. I, I went to like a nice professor and I said, no, no, you sit and you make me understand what what this actually means when I'm writing a four. What does it mean? I don't know what this is. And the way he explained is what led me to become a software programmer. I'm like, OK, this is what I want to do. This is this is like this is logical there are no two ways about it it's the computer's only going to do what i tell it to do and this is fantastic this is good i can build something so from there it went on to databases and design and i fell in love with those things i fell in love with building those things
0: yeah that's fantastic and i'm so glad that you share a failure because so often uh there are so many uh girls who are just discouraged by failure and so they don't take on any risks so I find it very important to share not just your wins, but your failures. Uh, But I'm going to I'm going to take a detour here and share my own story. So I also am from Mumbai. I was born and raised there, but I immigrated here a lot, lot sooner earlier than you did. Um, I had never. So I came here to do a master's degree And uh, as a prerequisite for the master's degree, I needed to take a computer class. And at the time that I immigrated here, this is 32 plus years ago, I had never seen a computer in my life. (laughs) And now, you know, I've, I've been in the computer industry for 30 plus years and I'm a software architect at Microsoft. So, yes. So these things do happen. And so I just want our audiences to just note that and you know be proud of wherever they are because you know you 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 can't control what sh- your past but you can control your future for sure. Oh,
1: so. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I I can actually add to that. That is good. You reminded me. So when I came for my masters here, uh, I had to give uh, three bridge courses. They were prerequisites. Uh, I was okay. I studied at RIT Rochester. Um, and I had to take three bridge courses and one of them was um, Java and I just cleared that bridge course like I just did not have three bridge courses because I cleared all of them and that coming from a person who failed programming was a big deal to me yeah yeah and my dad was surprised he's like oh you know, <laughs> because he, he wasn't very involved when I was doing my engineering. He just knew I failed. He, just, he was like, oh, OK, so you like this thing. I say, yes, I do. So so it happens when you put in that effort. It has to show that result will come. And the, yeah. the whole point is you, you have to keep trying if you like it.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. You can't give up. Um You have to at least give it an honest try. Right. right. Yes. yes.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, wonderful. So um, I know that you're not just a programmer. I'd love to hear about and, you know, this is through an email chain that was going around. I know that you're also into fitness. So I'd love to hear all about your fitness and, uh, you know, your foodie journey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, those two to converge are really difficult. Uh So coming from uh, India, I really like my spices. Um, if you can see the video, there's like a spice background, um, <laughs> a poster of spices in my background. So I I, I just I, I love to eat. And what happened was when I came to the U.S., I realized that, OK, I'm very unfit because I used to see people running around all the time. And like RIT has like it was a lacrosse school, a hockey school. So I was extremely unfit. So I would walk like a mile and start panting heavily. I knew things had to change. And I went on a variety of diets uh because, you know, in USA, you have no dearth of diets kicking in every single week. There's something different to do. Um and none of them worked. And the the reason why they did not work is because I am a very like um, you know, a core a core goan or, you know, from South India where I need my coconut curry and rice. Otherwise I will not survive. And I I realized that Uh, it just took time for me to accept that. Um, So I cannot live on salads. I cannot live on soups and salads and wraps and quinoa. I cannot do that. And so I needed something very sustainable. And I said, no, if I'm going to cook, the first thing that comes to my mind as comfort food is, is prawns biryani. And that is what I want to have and still, you know, be fit. And I wanted to know if that's possible because clearly my granddad did it. So it is possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think my fitness journey started from there. Uh, I was curious to know how, uh, things happen. Everyone cannot eat salads in the world. That's, that's not going to be sustainable. Uh, Italians eat cheese. The French eat bread and still they are in great shape. And so yeah. I started learning. I gave my certification, I got to know what goes in, uh, you know, shaping a physique, what goes in building muscle, what do you lose, what do you say when you lose weight, uh, where exercise is important, what kinds of food to eat, you know, and all those things made me, uh, well, I'm fitter than what I was two years ago, and that's my goal, to just be better than myself and not compare to someone Like for everyone. And the first thing I realized when I studied was, OK, to everyone, like fitness is very different. It's different to a 20 year old and a 35 year old or a mom of two people or someone who has arthritis or an 80 year old. And fitness is different. You don't expect them to have the same parameters. And so that is why. So and it it was so interesting, but it was also so simple. So me and my husband, we started this thing called Fitato's uh Where you know we just it's it's a play on like a favorite thing of potatoes, um so what potatoes and where we you know give out workouts, we give out tips, uh we also do passive aggressive like things where we just call out the common mistakes that people make and try yeah. to keep it as polite as possible uh we also have a blog where I keep uh you know journey- uh writing my journey or seeing what changes. Um, so, yeah, it's fitatos.com if you guys want to go or on Instagram as Fittatos.us. you'll
0: it in the show notes for sure. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So that sounds fantastic. So is it just a hobby or are you looking for, you know, becoming a coach to people? Can people pay you to help
1: them? So the, it, it would be good if a hobby paid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's the dream. Um, so I, I currently help uh, friends. I currently help family members uh, and friends who need like guidance. Who who just so since the past two years I've undergone like a drastic transformation. Uh, okay. Physically, and when people started noticing that, they wanted to know what different, what what did I do that was different? Because they saw me That's hanging awesome. out in restaurants. They saw me going out. They didn't see me skimping on food. In fact, I used to eat a lot more than what they did. And so that surprise led to curiosity. So, yes, uh, I would like to educate more. I think yeah. when you start educating a person and when that person learns, it garners more interest than simply like giving a diet chart and saying, OK, fine, follow this.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. OK, so I want to bring bring you back to the world of women in tech. And I want to ask you a question um so the question is what is you know and I know that your career with Microsoft has only been um during covid and less than a year but throughout your lo- long career you know 10 plus years uh what has been some of the most challenging thing for you as a woman
1: in technology uh yeah <laughs> The most challenging thing for me as a woman in technology so far has been that I have been the only woman in my team. And that has stood true for every single organization that I've worked for. Uh, That is also true uh, now in my current team and my sister teams. Yes, I I definitely see more women in Microsoft than all my previous jobs combined. Uh but that has been a challenge in which uh, you have like for some reason. You have to keep paying attention to what you will say and how it will be heard or interpreted. Like how is a statement construed? Uh, Like what pitch of voice can you use? Can you interrupt someone? Is it okay to do that? Uh, Mm -hmm. All this, it's generally like I don't want to think about it when I'm doing my job. I want to do my job and I want to do that right.
0: So tell me how it's different for a woman than a man uh so, why would it be different
1: yeah yeah, uh so first of all, like in in a meeting room scenario, it's yes. kind of i so it's inherent it's it's not it's no one's fault, I I think women are to blame for overthinking, we overthink, and okay. I am a product of that we are for some reason, I have been taught to think before I speak, to think mm. before how I speak, what I speak, when do I speak, so it's always. Um, a self-doubt on myself that okay fine am I asking this question am I feeling uh, am I too stupid to ask this question if I ask this question will it be answered uh, all these things and for some reason I don't think anyone cares you can ask that question and just be clear in your head that fine you really didn't know about this mm-hmm. it's okay to not know about something uh, but other times Uh, I have felt and this was like very personal, very recent that I have been spoken over a lot of times. Okay. And yeah. And it's funny that you ask. I actually have a good example. So. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So and this was over like a WebEx call. Mm, uh, Yeah. So over a WebEx call because it was cross country uh, across time zones. And so I think I was on the call and my manager was on the call. Um, and you were speaking to folks, and I said, no, no, this is this is what we are going to do. And I was being doubted from the other end, and they said, no, we cannot do this, and we are not understanding what you're saying, no, we cannot do this. And I just mute my phone, and I told my manager, because he was standing right next to me, I said, right. I want you to do the exact same thing that I did. Tell them what I told them verbatim, and see the difference in response. Right. Uh, and when he said the exact same thing, it was accepted. Right. I said, okay. like there is no reason. It's just either because you are like my manager or you are a man that this is happening. And I was very honest with him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. This is like not the first time that it has happened. I have been doubted. I have been spoken over.
0: Mm -hmm. I have not
1: backed up. I don't know for what reason
0: yeah so you know um, you bring up some amazing amazing points. one of the um and you know, I've been surveying women in technology, saying what are some of the biggest challenges, and uh the one that keeps popping up is uh not being heard, yeah right. Yeah. And uh so it's it's and you know, look, you and I are science majors, so I, I wanna be very scientific about it. I don't want it to be like uh oh, if I'm not being heard, is it because I'm not loud enough? Is it because I'm way too polite, too analytical? Yes. Or is it that I look so young that people think that the older looking person who's actually five years younger than me knows more than me? Or I don't know. You know, so there there's a lot of factors to it. I don't want to jump on uh, jump on to conclusion, but I do recognize fully that it is a symptom. That that the symptom is real. It's not imagined. Uh, however, we need to dig deeper to figure out you know what what the cause is. I've been in meetings where uh, I'm the technical uh, person in a sales meeting, and I have a, a male colleague who's a salesperson doesn't know that much about the Texas Act. No. Yeah. And the customer will keep asking the guy, right? You know, yeah. the students. Okay. and, um, you know, this is where I think allyship comes into play, where, you know, all my uh, colleagues know to respond to it by saying, well, Barca is the expert, so let her speak. And, you know, they, they always give me a platform to speak. Um, but it takes a level of maturity to get to that point. Right. When right. you're starting out, it's very challenging and it's just, it's very easy to kind of go, what just
1: happened? You know? Yes. Yes. And that is, I think it's important. Um, and I used to discuss this with my now husband where he used to never face this for some reason. Right. But he could assert his statements and he's like, okay, be more assertive. I'm like, no, I am assertive to, you cannot take assertive to a point where you start being bossy, labeled, you know, and that is also a part of overthinking. like, OK, when you're starting out as like just out of out of college, very new to the corporate world. Right. You really want to be in everyone's good books. And at that point, uh, if you don't have that allyship, like you mentioned, it can be really taxing because that is exactly where self-doubt creeps in. Right. That I don't know this thing. Well, even if you do, you might be an expert on that because, you know, you have right. research or you might you, you because you were hired for a reason. You always remember. But then that is where self-doubt creeps in. And I think I, I did face that problem. I'm just better at handling it now than I was before. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um What is the most gratifying thing about working as a woman in technology? What is the, the upside
1: Upside? <laughs> I actually don't know what our upside is woman in technology. Oh yeah, uh, it's just working in technology that has an upside. I don't know if like being okay. woman has any upside to it in technology. Uh, okay. But even like this, uh, in in my previous company in Microsoft, technology is changing at such a pace. It's hard to keep up. And, and it's really like uh, when you see like new tools being introduced and you're a curious person and you just want to like keep, you know, using all of them, the learning is so, so much on the job that you never had in, you know, you will not have at a university level. Right. And that is gratifying. That process of learning that yes, I'm just not doing like my job job nine to five. I'm actually investing in like learning more for myself. Uh, right. So I'm educating myself every day. And when, so I'm extremely passionate about going into work, but learning something new.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And, you know, and and not as a like, you know, I, I do want to uh, address women in technology because that's my audience. But I do want to encourage young women to join this field for one reason or the other. And you bring up an amazing point. That being in the sort of a cutting edge tech field, there is so much growth and op- growth opportunity that, you know, you just you can't help but grow. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's not just so when I was uh doing my engineering, we only thought that programming is the way to go. But it's not. No one tells you like you are an architect. I got to know that word four years ago. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, because no one was there to mentor me on that word, what it means. I had to join a meetup in New York where women in tech to actually know what different women are doing. Some of them are designers. Some of them are architects. Uh, Some of them are just, uh, you know, QA testers. Some of them are just critiques of the system. Some of them are ethical hackers, but there's so much to do. And it's not just one. uh, It's not a one dimensional job. yes
0: there's a lot more to it yeah and
1: and do you think that there's a difference because of the fact
0: that you are um working now in the united states and the the level of sophistication for this field is higher here as opposed to when you were you know growing up in india or is it it because of time is it because of place what is it
1: it's because of both the factors time as well as place like i said in at in whatever the year that was, I don't remember, but 2006 or 2004 maybe. Yeah, that's going a long way back, right? Um, technology was not, like technology was a buzzword. So people didn't actually know what it meant to say that you were in software or you were a coder. They, like my dad did not know. He's, he's from a, he's a finance guy. And so are most of the people that I know, like most of my family. So we don't know what it entails to be, um, you know, an IT person, they thought I would fix computers for the rest of my life for all that, you know, matters. Yeah. Um, so yes, definitely the time mattered, but also the place where, uh, where I feel in the US, I'm, I'm, you know, responsible for a lot of major decisions in the design of the product. And I don't just, you know, uh, implement something right implementing right. is probably the last thing I would think of right right and I, I think that that has contributed much to my growth um, yeah and I don't know like maybe the landscape in India is a lot different now than it was uh yeah. India also is growing at a fast pace I I keep listening to friends who keep starting their own startups um <laughs> which is good I just don't know Fantastic. if like in the same corporate world that I was I would have had this opportunity
0: yeah okay yeah that's that's noted um yeah i mean i often think about it i left india in the late 80s so i can't even relate to india to i mean you know i have family there so i go visit and but it's it's i cannot say that i know what a high school experience in india is because right it was so long ago for me (laughs) yeah how the landscape
1: would look now i don't know but yeah exactly exactly
0: so fantastic Um, so we've been going at it for a little bit now. And, uh, um, if you had something to say to a person like you 10 years ago or somebody in a similar situation, what is something that you would want to share with them? Like if you
1: really, so first things first is, Explore all your options. This goes for like women as well as men. Explore your options. You never know what, what can interest you. It's, it's, it's a big world. Don't do something just because someone says, okay, fine, this is where you have to go. Or don't not do something because someone says, okay, this is not your field.
0: Right. Explore
1: what it entails. Really know that you like it. Um, and then don't be afraid to change. Like I have switched jobs just because I did not feel uh that it was challenging enough that i was thinking it right. it was getting yeah. mundane uh at that point um uh, i always try to tell uh, my peers if if the job gets too comfortable i am not happy so try yeah. to keep spark alive in your work life <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. i think that's pretty much it
0: okay all right and and um if people want to check you out uh i know that uh you have your website Fittados. is there anything else Do you have like instagram linkedin whatever you want to ch- share with the
1: audience linkedin uh i think all my usernames are k kimaya so linkedin you find me as kimaya kamat uh instagram i am also kimaya kamat i'm pretty boring that way in usernames <laughs> just so that people can find me <laughs>
0: That is fantastic. And any parting words of wisdom for, you know, for
1: me, for audiences, for any anything? Uh, no, I would just like to thank you for calling me to this podcast. And one of the reasons why you did that is was because I shared my wins on an email thread. So don't be afraid to, like, share your wins or, you know, your failures with others. There'll be someone who gets inspired from it. And if you can just make that change in like one person's life, you're through. Uh, So that's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time. I know um, um, we're all busy over here, so I appreciate uh, your time. And I appreciate your candidness in sharing your story with us. So thank you.
1: No worries at all. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good day. All right. I'm going to stop recording.
0: I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for listening. Please like this episode and share it with someone you think that'll enjoy it. And do reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. And also, if you would like to, please join my newsletter by visiting www.barcaherman.com. Thank you.